listen, fuckhead. Fuck, you know, yeah, you, you, you can do whatever you want to do. You can put me on mute. You can turn the goddamn channel for all I care. What the fuck are you doing? And you're listening to us now. So obviously you hit the fucking mute switch night, asshole. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Grumble. I hope everyone's enjoying a happy holiday season. I am the ghost of Christmas past. Graham, I am talking to you from the past. Because we are doing part two of our year in review. Sitting in the corner to my left, feeling full of festive fun, it's Dan. How are you doing, Dan? All right. All right. I like your Santa hat, by the way. It's very festive. Hi. And sitting in the corner to my right, the Royal Grumble's own Grinch, it's Daryl. Can I be the ghost of Christmas future? Why? <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Right, I, I'm not. I'm not stopping the recording and cutting it this time. That one will just be bleeped. That's, that's... Don't fuck with me, right? Listen, we've we've had something cut, and it, 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 I don't think it was as bad as this. But fuck it. Oh just just to be clear, the time of recording. Oh uh, no opening contest for this week because, uh. in the spirit of Christmas presents, I'm going to give you both an extra point. Changing absolutely nothing. So oh, there you go. Yeah, you're both a point, an extra point up. So that, there's that's my a Chris- participation award. That one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just just like that one from a couple of weeks ago. In uh, you deserve it, Daryl. Thanks. So <laughs> we talked a little bit last week. Let's just jump straight into it. We talked a little bit last week about the period pre-grumble, like pe- the good old days <laughs> before before we ruined the airwaves. That was, that was the real PG era, pre-grumble. Yeah, See what I did there. Yeah, boom, knowledge. So. We talked about WrestleMania. We're going to go into what happened after WrestleMania, specifically what happened the night after WrestleMania. Daryl, do you remember what happened the night after WrestleMania? No, why don't you tell me what happened the night okay, after WrestleMania? Okay, let's tell you what happened after the night after WrestleMania. So, do you remember what happened at WrestleMania? Yeah, Shane McMahon lobbed himself off of a cage. Yes, and why did he do that? Because he's a mentalist. Ah, but what was he trying to do? What was he trying to achieve? Kill the Undertaker. What? Kill the Undertaker. What? Why? You cannot kill what is already dead, though. He's a oh dead man. Oh, my God. Dan, would you tell him what we did? <laughs> Like, why did, why did Shane McMahon try to kill The Undertaker? So, he wanted control of Raw. There you go. Oh, yeah. Shane McMahon wanted power, yeah. right? Shane wanted control of Raw. He's not got SmackDown, has he? He's doing all right. Are you just, <laughs> just, just want to steamroller everything? Or? No, I'm t- talking to you, having no. a conversation. Oh, Happy Christmas. <laughs> what if people don't celebrate? No, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, my point was, the whole point of the Shane McMahon Undertaker match was that Shane wanted power. Shane lost to the Undertaker. Undertaker took his gloves off in the ring or something. Yeah. So Vince said to him, fuck off, Shane. Yeah. And Vince was like, oh, Shane, you're rubbish. You go. Now I'm going to bring you out. And Shane was like, oh, here I am. And then the fans were all like, oh, we like Shane. So then Vince goes, oh, well, since you all like Shane, because I'm notorious for my good-hearted nature, oh, yeah. uh, let's just have him run raw. So that made a match were pointless then? Completely, yeah, rendering the entire Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania pointless. I love it when they follow through on storylines. It's brilliant. One thing that was rendered uh, obsolete. Sorry. I know. I know. (laughs) I couldn't think of a better word. Just don't... It's impossible to say Put your hands down. Stop doing that bloody gesture. (laughs) Right. So one thing that was at least rendered a little less painful was... AJ Styles won a match on the Raw after WrestleMania to become the number one contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. It's right. like after like they had a lot of plans for WrestleMania and then the night after went, yeah. But then 
if we did we did that last night, but now what do we do tonight? So we just forget about last night. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, after I watched WrestleMania, I wish I could forget about WrestleMania. So it's impossible because you know when you, you when you put seven hours into most things, you tend to remember it. Yeah, exactly. It's just imprinted on my brain. <laughs> Graham, is that show still going? Uh, hold on. Let me just check. Uh, Triple H is making his entrance. Triple H is coming out. Yeah, Stephanie okay. Man's screaming like that. Last off Mad Max. Oh, yeah. um, that's what's oh, going on. She right looks smoking now. on that show. <laughs> you said last week. Uh, you're still hoping <laughs> for the, every week. It was a whole thing. <laughs> you're still hoping for the figure, aren't you, Daryl? Oh, I'd do things to that thing. Oh God! Right. <laughs> if it's to scale. Oh, Even if it's don't not say to scale. Jeez. <laughs> uh yeah. So this was. This basically is the start of AJ Styles becoming a main eventer. So they sort of. They rushed everything with him, but in a good way. Like, they brought him in. They had to stop calling him the Pitbull at this point, or whatever. They were calling him like a little dog, weren't they? I think they had to stop calling him the Pitbull. Yeah. And they'd started letting him speak on the mic. Isn't that funny, right? At the start of this year, he wasn't allowed to talk. No. They didn't want to give him a mic. Now, pretty much every SmackDown starts with him doing a promo. And it's great. It's because he had that thing that, oh yeah, he's such a great worker, if his mic skills were a bit better. like Actually, his mic skills were never too terrible. They were pretty good a lot of the time. Like... Once he started showing character, even though the character didn't quite work in TNA, his mic work's been a lot better. I don't think it's unfair to say that he's got much better this year. Yeah. Like, this is... You know when everyone was like, he went to New Japan and everyone's like, holy shit, we forgot how good AJ Styles was. This year has just been a banner year for him, hasn't it? Like, yeah. He's just, he's mega. Quality. Uh, yeah, there's... Well, I mean, that whole match on the right night after uh, Mania led to a pay-per-view headline match against Roman Reigns. Two pay-per-view headline matches, which were both great. Yeah, they were both yeah. brilliant. Um, also led to the John Cena storyline, which I think like... Because the Roman Reigns matches, one of the big things going around in it is that we also saw the debut of Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. That is true, yes. In club. fact, they were they were at that Raw after Mania, but they weren't yeah. on the show. They just randomly debuted them in like Ohio a couple of weeks later or something. Yeah, so the storyline was, are they in cahoots? Are they going to help him help AJ win the title from Roman Reigns? And it was quite well done in the fact that whenever they'd interfere, AJ would always kind of be distracted and stuff. Like when they were still doing the Willy Wonty stuff, um, they always like AJ would be down on the floor, like unable to see was the club are beating up Roman Reigns and things like that. Remember the Usos were involved in this as well. <laughs> yeah, remember. Remember the that family. was a thing earlier on. Was that the name? The family. That's the oh, thing. So, yeah, the yeah. club versus the family. Club versus the family. Jeez. Yeah, let's let's not lose sight of the fact that they were called the club. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? What was it about, eh? It's like, well, we can't use Bullet Club. Should we come up with a different name? We can't call them Gun Club because that might be a bit weird. Yeah, no, just 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 take out the word we can't use. Sorted. <laughs> Done. Anyone want lunch? Yeah. What do you um, want for lunch? Club? Ah, see what he did there. Club sandwich, the joke. Uh, Laugh. Club sandwich, club bar. Okay, right. Yeah, okay. You did one joke. Yeah, just I'm ruining it now. Club soda. (laughs) There you go. Sorted. Next. Uh, yeah. So like, by the end of the year, AJ Styles is not only a bona fide main eventer, he's the WWE World Champion and probably the best guy in the company. Yeah. You know when people always used to say like, and I was one of those people at times. Oh well, if this person came into WWE, they'd be the best person in the company straight away. It's not often that actually happens, is it? <laughs> no, I, I can't really remember somebody coming from outside. Well, Goldberg, I guess, but somebody coming from outside and being the top guy straight away. Yes, yeah, even like, Goldberg, they didn't want him. To no, be, did they? but AJ Styles, I don't think they wanted him to be. Probably he just not. Kind of, it just kind of happened. But like, he's he's come in and in his first year, he's 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 gone from debuting to being top of card. Yeah, which. 
Well, I think at first, often. when he first debuted, you could tell they were kind of trying to hold him back a bit. It, well, holding back might not be the right words, but in the stuff we talked about in part one, it was kind of like, okay, we'll have him in this feud with Jericho. It was a bit 50-50, you know. They're not really pulling the trigger and letting him be the guy he became. And don't forget the Fandango effect at WrestleMania. Yeah. I still maintain it's a Fandango effect. So then all that happened, and then it was almost like a light switch hit when they were like, oh, actually, he is pretty fucking good. And I'm guessing other people who've worked, who'd worked with him at that time said, yeah. AJ's pretty good. Maybe you should do something with him. So they decided to kind of give him the ball and say, okay, we'll do something here. We need someone good to go against Roman and try and get him over because, you know, we've fucked that up so many times. And then it ended up where he ends up in this fucking amazing feud with John Cena a bit later in the year, which completely sends him to what he is now, like the top guy pretty much on SmackDown. The champ that runs the camp. Yep. He is the, he is the champ that runs the camp. Yep. What a guy. Like, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. I mean, you and I, Daryl, in a you as well, Dan, have talked about how much we like AJ Styles. It's like, as as good as I thought he could be in WWE, I never thought he could be this good. You know what I mean? I never thought he'd make it to that. Because he's smaller, because he's Southern, because he's got that slightly odd look to him. Because they didn't make him. Yeah, exactly. There's so many things that should have worked against him. He's literally just so good that he's just burst out of all of it. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he is something special. And it's, He's benefited from like two things. One, the Cena feud and Cena being so willing to let him do so much because in those matches, the matches were always presented as kind of like AJ's a better wrestler than John Cena, which a lot of people would say he is. Mm -hmm. But in that match, Cena allowed that to be the presentation where Cena would try and wrestle with him and AJ would always get the better of him and make him look kind of foolish. So Cena had to start using power moves. I thought their first match was really excellent. I remember that. The SummerSlam match I didn't enjoy as much, but I did think the finish was better. But their first match, you know, the one that ended with the Magic Killer? Yeah. Which, by the way, Cena put three people over in one match. He put Styles yeah. over by letting him beat him, albeit, you know, with a screwy finish. And also, the Magic Killer, to this point, is still an incredibly protected tag team finisher. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it, it sort of boggles my mind, really, that this has sort of happened. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. I think the other thing that's helped him out a lot, and we're going to talk about this whole thing a bit later, but being the guy on SmackDown. Rather yeah. than being in the shuffle on Raw, where there's a lot more stuff going on, there's allowed to be a bit more focus on SmackDown for him. But, well, when we talk about the shuffle on Raw, yeah. like, well, the champion on Raw, I mean, we assume the champion on Raw might not be anymore. We assume the champion on Raw at the moment is Kevin Owens. Certainly has been, as of late. The majority of the, the year, or the majority of the post-draft era, which we'll get to, Kevin Owens was the champion on Raw. And he started the year in a feud with Sami Zayn. Yeah, uh, we covered it last week in the Royal Rumble that he was the guy who eliminated AJ Styles and in a brilliant piece of booking, the next person out was Sami Zayn to get rid of Kevin Owens. Which And then Sami Zayn disappeared for a little while, had his match in NXT with Nakamura that we covered and then after, the night after Raw, I believe. Oh no, was he was he at WrestleMania? Sami Zayn? Yeah. Yeah, I remember they were in both the, in the Intercontinental yeah. title ladder match. So yeah. if you imagine they transitioned from that, they moved, uh, payback, they had their first one-on-one match. Yeah. Uh, so that was the one where Owens beat Sammy. Yeah. Uh, Owens then stayed for commentary of the next match because it was the IC title, I think. Yeah, and provided great commentary. And then Sammy Zayn came and beat piss out of him afterwards. Yeah. And then they had right. And I want to bring back to this match when we do our awards next year. Uh, the they had the IC title match, the four way at Stream Rules. That was fucking brilliant. That was quite. Do you remember that match with Cesaro? You think I remember who was in it? It was Miz, Cesaro, Sammy, and Kevin Owens. I don't remember that, no. Really? See, no. it's funny that match sticks in my mind. It probably wasn't nearly yeah. as good as I thought it was. I think it was because of the finish as well, because they did the kind of same thing there and at Money in the Bank, 
where Sammy had the opportunity to win, but because he was so driven on taking out Kevin Owens, he cost himself the match. And he did that two months in a row. I think the sad thing about the feud is, the feud it's Hear me out here and see if this makes sense or not. The feud itself was actually quite hot, but Sammy wasn't. Do you know what I mean? I think Sammy Zayn's injury on his debut kind of scuppered him a bit. Do you know when like he, he injured his shoulder, then he went away for a bit? Doing a cheer. Yeah. And then I, I don't think that, that same excitement he's ever had. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I think that he's sort of like, I wouldn't really say he's um, like Zack Ryder level yet, but right. he, he's he's at that end at card. He's not, I wouldn't say he's yeah. even mid card, like heat wise. Yeah. See, yeah. I think what damaged him a lot was when it came to the end of this feud, the match at Payback, which I'm sure we will cover when we do our review shirt. Where, uh, the match it, at Battleground actually was the end of the feud. Oh, match at Battleground, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Like that match is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. It's such a great matchup. And that the finish of that match was perfect. But then after that, Kevin Owens was kind of still around the top. And Sami Zayn didn't really do anything. And I think that's damaged him more than anything in the feud. Because Sami's still, like even now, like months after the area we're covering, he's not doing much. The it's feud's so- still fucking happening. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. Because the Battleground match <laughs> was supposed to be yeah, the well, end. Of- they had that match on Raw, didn't they, the other week? Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a bad step. That was a stupid idea. I don't know. They can't help themselves, though, can they? I know. And it's a shame because it was a really good feud, had some really good matches, and actually the right result was for Sammy to beat Kevin. But they knew that they could do a lot with Kevin, and they probably thought, well, the loss doesn't hurt Kevin. But actually in winning and having nowhere to go, that hurt Sammy more a little bit. Yeah, and at least they split him up in the draft. Oh, wait. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because that was one of the big things because the draft was happening did it happen the week before or the week after it happened the week before the pay-per-view yeah so they would talk about like this will be the final time they face because it might be the last time they'll be on the same brand and then they stayed in the same brand and Sami Zayn does fuck all what was all that about I think, I th- we're going to talk a little bit about the draft in a little bit more detail but let's let's talk about another feud that I did not enjoy as much <laughs> uh, another one where I think just it's running concurrently with the Triple H match the uh the asylum match with Dean Ambrose We're and onto multiple Jericho. timelines. Oh yeah, and that is just finishing now. The multiple Maybe. timeline thing is a Mandela effect, by the way. <laughs> okay, short list to our spin-off show. This is Dean Ambrose against Chris Jericho. Was a feud earlier on this season. Yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Season. I sort of think of them as seasons in a way. Yeah, that, that's what they say. They say new season, don't they, all the time? But nobody really thinks of it like that. No. When it's on every fucking week with no break. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the Jericho Dean Ambrose, um, that asylum match, before the match, I thought it was a good idea. I thought give Dean Ambrose a little match of his own that like he can pull out on big stage when he's when it's like, right, it's time to end this feud. Yep. You're gonna come into the Ambrose Asylum. Yeah. And I like the idea of it having a cage with like weapons round round it. It's a bit like the Raven House of Fun match in TNA. Yeah. When TNA were good, like in 2002. He did that in Ring of Honor as well. So wait, they, they probably nicked it from yeah. Ring so of Honor. They stole an idea from TNA and called it the Asylum? Yeah. Oh. oh. Do you want a conspiracy? Oh. <laughs> I think Vince owns TNA. I think conspiracy. <laughs> Coming soon. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so like, I liked the idea of it before the match. Not so much after. No, God. <laughs> Not so much during either. Yeah. This, this whole feud was just had so much silliness to it in what could have been a really great feud because 
if anything, this year's proved anything. Jericho's still fucking got something. Yeah, like the amount of stuff he's got over this year. Is there's amazing. definitely there's an argument to be said that this has been Chris Jericho's best year. Yeah, you think how much he's done in this in this industry and in like his career, and there's still an argument to be said that this is his best year. And then, but this feud is kind of like the black mark of it all. Where during this feud, he had to deal with the fact that oh, Dean Ambrose tore up his fifteen grand jacket. And there was the whole Mitch the Plant thing. Oh yeah, Chris Jericho broke his plant, remember that? Oh yeah. And that was a big deal. Yeah. But then the plant, I'm sure the plant was in the asylum at some point. Yeah, of course it was. Because yeah. he just got another plant. Oh yeah. yeah Chris Jericho attacking plants. Because it's a plant. Mitch, Mitch too. Mitch, oh god. Don't, because that makes me think of the New Day. Let's, <laughs> let's not forget, by the way, the entirety of this year, the New Day were our tag team champions. That's why we're not talking about it much, because nothing's changed there. Exactly. It might actually... I saw them no, win but, the title. But surely... No, but for a bit of this year, you were still entertained by him, weren't you? No? This year? I'm, I'm um, still entertained by him, but, you know... When did the Bootyos thing start? I don't remember. Before WrestleMania. Before WrestleMania, yeah. yeah. WrestleMania, they yeah, came exactly. out in a giant box. So, it was definitely before then. Really? Do you, like, do you, oh, I, I thought... No, okay. Can sure. I say, right? They've got... I know we're sort of digressing from what we're actually talking about here. They've got... An engaging set of catchphrases and their merch will sell and they inter- entertain the kids a bit. But like it's just any time they're anywhere, you know it's like 20 minutes of them being knobheads. <laughs> and I mean literally because they do have a knob on their head. Right? You know how earlier when I killed my own joke? Yeah. That's what they do every week. Yeah, it really is, yeah. That was me being meta. It's that thing sort of pumping, pumping it so full of humour that eventually it just bursts and it's not funny at all. Yep. Uh, but there is there is an argument that sometimes when you do that it can become funny again at the end of it like there's a whole thing in comedy about like if something's not working you can't always keep going and going eventually it's funny yeah Dan. Uh, yeah i have to deal with that every week when you guys arrive. <laughs> but yeah i don't think he's heard us they, Dan. Ne- <laughs> they never actually get to the Dan. point where it's funny See, again take that new day learn some comedy do an improv class god yeah well no uh, Dolph ziggler does them oh yeah good point don't do that don't do an improv class <laughs> He can't be as bad as Mick Foley at comedy. Uh, so we, we, we talked <laughs> a little bit really about, little bit about um, the Reigns and AJ Styles match and the one that went to Extreme Rules. So I think it was Payback first, then Extreme Rules. Yeah, pay, yeah And then, then so that ended the lit, like, mini feud between Reigns and Styles. And after that match, uh, Seth Rollins returned and attacked Roman Reigns. Yes, it, it was great. Everyone cheered. It was a fantastic babyface return. It was just what we needed. We needed a great baby face to feud with Roman Reigns. And so, some, so fans have got an Ultra heel Roman, Roman Reigns. Reigns, let's not forget. Yeah. So, yeah. You've been kind of like, that was during the time when they were kind of teasing the thing like, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm the guy. And we used to do that. I, yeah. used, to, I used to say that. We're not, we're not a news show. We're not a review show. We're the show. And we are still the show, but we do just do news and reviews, don't we? So we sort of had to sort yeah. of had to drop that after a little yeah. while. That's all we do. That was our gimmick. Uh we had a gimmick at one point. So yeah. Uh yeah. They w- but they wanted Seth as a heel. Yeah, so we got a really shit heel promo and the crowd were kinda of like, eh, boo. They had a wanky little match. Uh I mean the match was fine, but they had a wanky little feud. Oh yeah, they spunked away the uh cl- the shield match. Oh I've I'm not even we'll get to that that's something I want to I've got a long long diatribe to talk about that but I mean they had that match at Money in the Bank so Seth was given his sort of rematch straight away Uh, and that was that was a pretty good match it was and that was the the crowd were just but the crowd it's so obvious but someone goes away they're injured you do a whole documentary about them being injured and how they want to fight back 
and then you try and make him the heel because you want to get the other guy over. Like they, they, make sense, and they it? were short of heels at the time. There was that problem as well. But it was the wrong guy to be the heel. But they just can't give up on that one. Especially when you consider that after the Money in the Bank match, uh, what happened? But here's the best thing, because we've complained on previous shows. I think we have done this one as well. Uh, well, we definitely have, because we talked about night after WrestleMania. The WWE has a bad thing at not filling out, like not fulfilling promises. Yep. They kind of fuck up and they'll do a gimmick and then kind of forget about it and just do what they want. However, a few years ago, there was a whole thing where Seth Rollins was told, whenever you go for the championship, I will be there to stop it. He couldn't stop it the first time because he'd been taken out of the arena injured. But this time he was in the arena and he had the money in the bank briefcase. And he did something about it. Dean whether Ambrose it was, whether, it. yeah, whether it was intentional or not, this was a great bit of long-term booking. <laughs> yeah, it was a great bit of long-term booking that they spunked away. Yeah, in a few minutes. But I, that wasn't what I was referring to. Funnily enough, I was referring to what uh, what news came out that particular week, and we did a show about it, and we had pizza. Oh yeah, there we go. The Roman, Roman Reigns was suspended. The, the Let's Roman not Reigns forget that this party. year. We totally did a show about it. You did a song about it. I did do a song about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to find it. Wasn't it wasn't very well received. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Roman Reigns got suspended. So they built up the Shield triple threat for Battleground. Yeah, because the idea was, well, Dean Ambrose was going away with the WWE title. They didn't know that at the time booking the match. Well, I guess they did, but we didn't know as fans. Yeah. And then... Uh, so they had... Uh, the entire booking of it was done without Roman Reigns. Yep. Like the entire build-up. So let's let's not lose perspective on this, right? The Shield triple threat is something that people have been talking about ever since the Shield split up, probably even since before the Shield split up, right? This was something that was talked about as a WrestleMania main event. Then people thought, well, maybe it could be on at SummerSlam. They threw it away in a 15-minute, maybe 20-minute, I don't know, pissant triple threat match on some B-level pay-per-view that no one fucking watched, apart from us, and no one cared about. And people have even forgotten to this day that it happened. I was seeing something... The other day, I was reading something on uh, on a website that was saying, yeah, they need to build a shield triple threat. And I was like, they did the shield triple threat. They did it. It was cack. Nobody <laughs> enjoyed it. There was no feud for it because one of the guys was suspended. Exactly at that point that they knew he was suspended. And the rumor is that they knew he was suspended as of money in the bank. So they didn't have to do the match the next night on Raw. They could easily have had a Seth Rollins against Dean Ambrose match, one-on-one. I know they've done a lot of them, but you know that would have been better than spunking away the shield triple threat. Yeah. But no, that's what they want to do because it just so happened that it's 30 days time so that it was back in time for, I don't know, Battleground or Super Astros or They've rest, all got shit names, the wrestling they, classic. Really? Yeah, there, a lot of them have really wank names. It's either crap names that mean nothing or crap names that just tell you exactly what the main event is. Yeah, Fatal 4-Way was my favourite. <laughs> WWE Fatal 4 I thought you were favorite. a fan of Breaking Point. Well, I was a fan of Breaking Point because it were in Canada. And, um, <laughs> I don't mind Breaking Point as a name, either, by the way. Breaking Point, I'm all right with. That'd be better than like WWE Submission, <laughs> which I'm sure was on the table. It was probably on one of those, uh, you know, one of those polls they send. Which oh, one yeah. of these events would you be interested in seeing? WWE Hot Heat, Tap Out, WWE Fight Match. Actually, they missed a fucking opportunity there if they brought that pay per view back. Breaking Point presented by Tap Out. Fucking hell. <laughs> Give me a fucking job. Phone up their marketing department. <laughs> Pay me, Vince. So we talked about the fact that Dean Ambrose finally won the title at arguably the time that he's been his coldest. Yeah, yeah it, it makes sense, doesn't it? He probably should have won it when he was feuding with Seth Rollins, to be it, honest. Yeah, like, around that time. Yeah, he probably should have. pretty hot then. They, they missed that bus slightly. 
Do you remember who uh, Dean Ambrose had his uh, title match with at SummerSlam? Uh, I only know that Dan knows it because he wrote it down. Otherwise, okay. I don't think he would remember either, <laughs> um, and I wouldn't blame him for it. So SummerSlam. It's, it's surprising. You... It's surprising that I didn't remember it because we talked about it so fucking much. Yeah, it was like a weekly thing. What are the other matches on the card? Because right. I, I really can't remember. It was around. So that time. If you imagine this was. Um, Wait, we'll... Didn't you say something about me forgetting who Brock Lesnar fought on SummerSlam? So Brock versus Orton was the main event. Yeah, because it's Brock Lesnar. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. The Universal title match yeah. was the first the first time a Universal title match, which was Finn Balor against Seth Rollins. Okay, so this is a SmackDown. Yeah, so this is a Smack. This is by the time by this okay. point it's been SmackDown. AJ Styles. No, I don't AJ know Styles faced John Cena. I don't know. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. Fucking hell! You remember that it was like the second or third match at SummerSlam. That's reiterate. Oh yeah, that. because I'm pretty sure that we said that if. He won it, we'd never do another show again. Yeah, we yeah. did. We put the show on the line. And, you know, we slag off Dean Ambrose credit. Where credit's due, Dean Ambrose came through for us on that so one. So he's responsible for the Royal Grumble podcast, It's really. his fault, yeah. yeah. So but if you want to tweet part, him. The best part about all that, we've talked about how cold Dean Ambrose was. Dolph Ziggler really tried to get people into this feud. And Dolph, um, Dean Ambrose played the heel in it. He was saying, you know, you're not good enough to be champion. You just complain and you bitch and you moan and you've never been good enough. And Dolph Ziggler says, well, this time I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to win that title from you. And Dean Ambrose is going, no, you're not, because you always just complain. You're a complainer. You're not a doer. And then at SummerSlam, after all this talk, Dean Ambrose just kind of slapped him about a bit and pinned him. I, <laughs> made I, him like a little bitch. I have no problem with it. Yeah, like, when yeah. you said he played the heel, he didn't really, I agreed with everything he said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, he spent weeks kind of saying, you're nothing but a bitch. I'm just going to make a fool of you. And Dolph's going, no, no, I'm going to do this. This, this is my call and this is the thing. And then he made him look a bit like a bitch and just beat him. And yeah. then, yeah. So eventually, as freezing cold Dean Ambrose, freezing cold face Dean Ambrose, finally was dethroned by AJ Styles later on in the year. But we'll we'll get to that a little bit. I only want to sort of go up to that, that's this your point. New Year's present. That one. Oh well, yeah, week after New Year's. So yeah, we glossed over it a little bit. We need to return to the draft. So yeah. you remember, I stayed up. I did a whole live tweet. <laughs> we did so many graphics. Yep. We did the draft, baby. If you want to look back and. Don't. <laughs> no, don't. Don't. Really don't. Oh, they're all pretty, though. They're all really nice pictures. So They're all right. So, thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, the draft was, yeah, SmackDown got two picks through every three that Raw got. It was like <laughs> two hours of just Raw dick-slapping SmackDown, with the possible exception of AJ Styles and John Cena. Well, um, Mick Foley um, really... Showed the world if he hadn't already that he's a creepy bastard. Then when he picked Charlotte, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whilst he had his hand in his pocket, it wasn't moving. It, it wasn't. No. It wasn't even touching his knob. Uh, <laughs> no, no. She's a she's a friend. They're friends. But this actually led to the pushing and the subsequent injury of Finn Balor. Yeah. So, you know, those of you who may remember Kevin Owens as the Universal Champion, let's not forget that he wasn't the first Universal Champion. Because in fact, the first Universal Champion was the man Finn Balor who defeated Seth Rollins in his first title match in his third main roster match, I think. Yeah, it would have been his third On match. his first night on Raw, Finn Balor won a four-way in the first match to qualify for a title match and then beat Roman Reigns in the main Being event. Clean. Yeah. clean. This was this was admittedly post-Roman's Roman's a smackhead. It, so. it, it, was, it, was, it was in the doghouse at night. It was loud in the house in days, but it was, in, it was still a bit in the doghouse. But um, like 
going back to the draft stuff, on the night of the draft, they really made Finball out to be a big, big deal. Like, as they were going through things, he was the first like NXT draft to get brought up. He was the former NXT champion. And they made a huge deal about him. Was he the third pick overall or was he just the third raw pick? I know he was very early on. He was in the first round. I remember that I think much. he might have been the third pick. Yeah, because it was uh, the, the raw picks were Seth Rollins, Charlotte, and then Finn Balor, wasn't it? There you go then. Yeah. yeah. That was... Uh, I'm really um, disappointed he got injured. It's such bad timing, isn't it? Like you said about Sami Zayn, it could work against him. Yeah. But hopefully, because he is fucking ridiculously talented and he's got so much to him that that doesn't happen. It's not just that, though. It's like he won the belt and then he he never had a chance to reign as the champion. Like, he had that little build-up, but then, like, we never we didn't see... Because, like, Kevin Owens will be anywhere near that fucking belt, would he? If probably we're being not, honest. no. Because it'd, it'd probably been feuding with Seth Rollins, a heel Seth Rollins, I reckon. Yeah. I think that's likely. Like Kevin Owens, I thought knows what he'd be doing now. Apparently, they, so they were going to do they're going to do Balor Jericho again. So like yeah. uh, Kevin Owens, I'd, I'd very much unless Kevin Owens would be like in the lackey role, like Jericho's in at minute. I I I can't see him being anywhere near that belt. Cover that more in part three. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit, but Brock, of course, returned at SummerSlam as he does in that. <laughs> shortly after he'd uh, had an actual like paggering match, it's pay per view money time. Yeah, it's not pay per view. Yes, so he. Like you said, he, he had a UFC fight yeah, in like this an actual period. Yeah, did he win? Yep. Yeah. No need. No one. Don't say anymore. That's fine. <laughs> no. He won. Exactly. What does it say in the record books? Won. So. Yeah. Well. No. <laughs> don't matter. Don't matter. No. That's what it still says. At the did moment. he walk into the cage and did he win? Yes. Right. Let's leave it then. Let's it's leave what it. Let's get in the cage. <laughs> what? His legs. He walked into the cage, mate. Let's leave yeah. it. Let's, let's just do a quick comparison here. Number of uh, number of UFC wins this year by Brock Lesnar. One number of UFC wins by. Uh, CM Punk. Zero. Oh. No. I don't think it was a CM Punk one in this period, but it wasn't. It was like yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Might worth quick mention. Anyway, yeah, so Brock, Brock Lesnar um is fucking mint, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty mega. Like admittedly, this this hasn't been a banner year for Brock, has it? No, but so, SummerSlam was probably his greatest moment this year, I think. Oh, I don't think he sent out there saying well, blading, it's a bit barbaric, isn't it? It's dangerous, is blading. Yeah, yeah, we don't like blading. No. But we want blood in this match. So, uh, Brock, do your thing. Yeah. Smashed a man with his elbows until it pissed out of his head. Yeah. Right. As soon as this went so well on part one, I think it's time again. Randy Orton? You're Brock Lesnar. Right, but he's, he's point, yeah. oh, we're on radio here. Great, yeah, he, Graham is Randy Orton. Right. Daryl's Brock Lesnar. I'll, I'll be the official who's going to tell you what the finish is. So, uh, for the end, we, we want we want you to bleed. We, we don't want you pinned. I'm hearing voices in my head. Sorry. <laughs> well, we don't want you pinned. And we know that you've had a troubled time with injuries recently, Randy, and we want to try and protect you and because you're a big star for us. So, the idea is it's going to be a doctor's stoppage for the finish. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, Does that work for you? That sounds fine, yeah. Uh, but uh, we don't want you bleeding. No, no, it's fine. So, I just won't bleed, yeah? No, no. no um, oh, you will bleed, boy. What? Brock, <laughs> uh, I believe uh, Brock has an idea for that. Uh, we're going to leave you to it because we trust you guys, your main eventers. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, Brock, I had an idea. What I thought we might do was, um, what if, like, you just sort of lightly tap me on my head? I'll, um, you know, maybe claw a little bit. Like, we'll get a little bit of sort of blood. Let's just call it in the ring. Oh, yeah, that's 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 fine too. Yeah, we'll just call it in the ring. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, Sable needs to suck my dick now, Oh, he's so. broken my face. <laughs> oh, I've got... All the all the blood of my body has landed on the mat. 
Brock, I think Chris Jericho wants to have a word with you. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a locker room leader. Uh, Jericho's a funny, funny fucker. Yeah. <laughs> the sequel's never as good as the original. <laughs> <laughs> Deary me. Um, meanwhile, over in NXT, Samoa Joe finally defeated Finn Balor. This is funny. We were talking about Finn Balor as the guy who burst onto the scene in the on the main roster, but actually the, the story goes a little back a little bit further than that. Um, the demon was finally defeated. Yeah, I mean, you got to put over the young talent on your way out. Yep, they never. Um... I like you just brought up the demon. I don't think did they never, I don't think they referenced that, did they? They didn't make a big deal about it, yeah. It was certainly played down. Yeah. And I think that's because they just don't want to have some kind of fucking himself into a corner streak thing with that demon. Yeah, they don't especially not now that he's on the main roster, it just Yeah, up. and also telegraphing the demon as well. Yeah. Like if he comes out painted up, it's always oh, not gonna lose. <laughs> when he's it's almost like, uh, Finn, you about your job in tonight. Well put paint away. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> oh, but oh, with the Finn Balor thing when he's on the main roster, um, they pissed the paint up the wall, didn't they? They just had him come out in the paint one night. I remember that. Yeah, it was yeah, the night yeah. before the the raw before SummerSlam. Yeah, instead of just waiting, oh, at SummerSlam, you're going to see the demon. Oh no, just see him now. They had that promo that was like, <laughs> it was good, but at the same time, it was kind of shitty. Like the effects on it were a bit weird and stuff, but the promo was really good. Yeah, that was the week after he did the actual promo in the ring and they decided, much like AJ Styles, they couldn't let him talk in the pre-tape, ring. Pre-tape, yeah, pre-tape him. Yeah. But the... So NXT had a few bits going on over this, over this period. They had the rise of Samoa Joe as champion, but also Nakamura debuted and he went on a rise of his own to be the guy to face Samoa Joe. Yeah, so like the fall of Bala coincided with the rise of Nakamura. I mean, we talked about his debut with Sami Zayn, but this... I mean, there was only one way that Nakamura was going to go, really, and that was up. You know, you pay that much money for a guy, you want him to be good, you want him to be a major, uh, you want him to be a major guy in your company. Yeah. And it was natural for him to progress to the like the top of NXT. And who now? Who did he have his first feud with? You'd think I'd remember this off the top of my head, but I don't. Oh shit! That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, like. Because he had his first match against uh, Sami Zayn, and then who did he go against? Because there was a pay-per-view in the middle of this, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a takeover in the middle, and Mm. it's bad that I don't remember that, isn't it? I I don't remember it. Whoever he faced, he must have beaten, but like... Talk about um, Nakamura's entrance. Uh, he had the uh, like world-famous violin player come out and introduce him, and that entrance was fucking good. The guy guy Lee England was absolutely fantastic. Like, I... I struggle to see how they're going to beat that entrance in future. Um, you can play violin. Good point. Yeah, I did. Not in here, he can't. I don't think Daryl can. my violin. <laughs> I don't think Dan agrees that I can play violin. Um, no, because what you have to do, you, you lightly use the bow. You don't try and saw the violin with the bow. Oh, we're going to talk um, about violins later on. Yep, well, yeah, we are. Yep. I believe that is the closer. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Of course it's the bloody closer. Um, There's uh, another debut in... Uh, Straight through the phone. I'm Other side of the microphone. There you go. Glorious. Best theme ever. I love it. This is the music that I want to be like brought in for my funeral. I don't even care. You know so, what? So when you we kill cha- You had the chance of coming down the aisle to that song. Yeah, I didn't though, did I? You don't, you don't get to walk down the aisle. He could, have done, the, the he could have done the thing. But 
he had to get to the front though, didn't he? Yeah, he could, some... he could have done the little thing. Emma weren't in room. Yeah, she Sorry. wouldn't let me do it. I'll tell you right right now. We we had the discussion. <laughs> um <laughs> did, did you know that um that weren't always gonna be a same? Really? Yeah, yeah. So we did an interview um with a different podcast and it was on about Well hold on, how did you hear this? I don't have the fuck I want, mate. I don't listen to this one. I thought we dropped that rule. <laughs> no, we haven't. Ever. I never dropped that rule. Um anyway, so we were doing this interview and he they asked him about the theme and stuff and um and he said that um he it was only like a, I think a week before he's, he would debut or a few days before he debuted um that they sh- showed him this theme and uh, he said yeah let's try it so oh, like yeah. I don't know what it was like before that but I can't imagine him debuting without or being on the show without that theme that's that's that, him that now. theme is a big part of it yeah that's yeah. pretty much half in fact it's most of his act at this yeah. point and that's for a guy who I think is very talented yeah. and has a really good character anyway yeah. It's just something that sends him over the top, isn't it? Yeah. Just related to that, we had uh, the whole um, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano thing, the glorious bomb, yeah, which we obviously aped <laughs> on the Twitter. And uh, they've had uh, some, some fantastic matches with uh, with loads of different guys in uh, in NXT. They were in the... Uh, th- now, did they debut in last year's Dusty Classic? Yeah. Oh, They've been knocking about uh, they, in NXT they had, for a while, a few, they? Yeah, they had a few matches and then they really came to focus in the Ducks. Because they started off as like independent contractors and now they're obviously signed. Yeah. In fact, certainly last time I saw they were the tag team champions. Uh, they were still doing indie dates around this period as well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And they had that really excellent match at Brooklyn. Yes, against the Revival. They did. Um, so, I feel like it, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some NJPW at this point because we didn't really talk about it a lot last time apart from the mass exodus. Dan, you want to talk about the rise of Naito? Yeah, so there was two major things that happened during this t- time period. Uh, the rise of Naito and Los Ingo Bernabalus. Um At the time, so the whole thing with Naito, I've mentioned it before, his rise kind of mirrors the thing that's happened with Roman Reigns. Is he the one with the eye? Yeah. Okay. So like, he was the guy who was pushed, he was supposed to be the next big babyface star, but the crowd just did not take to him and eventually decided, I'm going to go away to Mexico and America. He went on excursion. Stayed there for quite a while and joined the original Los Ingo Bernabas group with La Sombra, who's now Andre Cien Elmas, along with a few of the Oh, yeah, that CML. worked out well, didn't it, for everyone? Andre Cien Elmas. Yeah. Fucking so, love uh, him. after he came back, um, after he came back to New Japan, he brought the Los Ingo Bernabas thing over, and slowly and surely it started to really resonate with the crowd that this guy was kind of doing what he wanted and. He, he was a complete bad guy and going against all like the traditions of New Japan. But it was working. It kind of spoke to the audience because they'd not really had a guy like him before. They've had the Bullet Club, but that was all like Gaijin. That was all foreigners kind of running the Bullet Club with very few Japanese guys in there. Whereas this was a Japanese faction that started like getting a lot of popularity that was anti-authority and spoke to the crowd. So by the time we get to the time period we're talking about during this episode, he won, he'd won the New Japan Cup in March which gave him a title shot for the IWGP title against Okada, who was the golden boy of New Japan. So this was like a perfect opportunity for like him to take over. And it's one he took. He became the IWGP champion by defeating Okada in a really great match where they did, normally in title matches, it's very rare until the Bullet Club kind of started this whole thing about having interference in big matches and stuff. Uh, they had a lot of run-ins and a lot of like chicanery. Um, it's where Sonada debuted in the group as well. And it led to Naito becoming champion and actually becoming one of the hottest acts in the company. Like even now, 
he can headline events when Okada's not in the main event. He can do things like him. He came over for the Rev Pro shows in November and was one of the most over guys in the show without doing a single thing. It, uh, they're the top merch sellers in the company. This group has overtaken the Bullet Club completely. Like for Westerners, the Bullet Club is a bit more recognizable. But Los Ingobernables is definitely like the hot thing in Japan right now. Whenever you see shows, nearly everyone in the crowd is wearing some pieces. What of does the name mean? The Ungovernable. Okay. Which is kind of a cool little gimmick. Yeah. Um, so this group is continued, has gone from strength to strength over the summer. Naito won the title, eventually lost it back to Okada, and then that led to the G1 Climax. Uh, we covered that extensively on the website and covered it a little bit on the show. Uh, so we talked a lot in the first episode. We, not a lot, but we talked about how New Japan had lost a lot of their big stars. Yep. So Naito was the first one who kind of got made after all this, that he was one guy to step in the thing. Uh, over the G1 Climax, though, another guy stepped up. And a guy who, at the beginning of the year, started off as junior. He started the year as the IWGP junior heavyweight title, and after that announced himself as a heavyweight, which was Kenny Omega. Uh, he wasn't really a favourite going into it. Everyone thought, well, it's his first G1, he'll get a few wins, he'll have a few good matches, he'll be a good thing. But then, out of nowhere, it seemed, the last night, the, the final match of the B block was Naito versus Kenny Omega. And for me, it's one of my matches of the year. It was absolutely a stunning, like just under 30 minute match that had everything. It was such a great matchup. And at the end of it, the surprise was Kenny Omega getting the big win. Naito was definitely the one who everyone saw. So in the A block, uh, Goto had won and no one really saw him winning because that was kind of out of nowhere. So Naito was winning the B block and then Naito would be the guy to challenge Okada and get the belt back. But instead they went with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega went on to face Goto in the finals and defeated him in another great contest that brought more out of Goto than we've seen in a lot of matches. So over the sp- over these past few months, they lost a few stars, but they've made two really big stars in Kenny Omega as a, a big foreign star and the first foreigner to win the G1, like in like properly anyway. And Naito is the top act in New Japan. So going into January when they've got the Tokyo Dome, these are still two of the big players in this company. And they're still looking to make a few stars. There's still a few issues, but these two are definitely big deals. Kenny Omega's real name is Tyson Smith. Just, is that, is that your contribution to yeah. this? <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> Dan, I'm going to ask, because this, this is where my sort of, obviously it's not my area of expertise, but I think I've asked you this before. I'm going to ask you anyway. Kenny Omega, what's his deal? Is he going to come to the WWE at any point? So he was in developmental a few years ago. That's why I asked. Because yeah, he's now quite big. He's he asked, now for, a little he asked more... for his release. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he kind of sees it because he doesn't really take bookings outside of Japan that much anymore. I know there's supposed to be an issue with his US visa, but he doesn't really come over to the UK that often or anything. He's, I think he's just very happy in New Japan right now. And why, like, if you were him and like with the Young Bucks as well, we'll talk about them more in the part three, considering the stuff they did in Ring of Honor and their new contract and stuff. But the freedoms they have outside of New Japan, outside of WWE and that system to be able to kind of do what they want and still make a huge career out of it. Like, why would you give that up right now? Maybe in a few years when things have started to die down a little bit. But right now, he's just he's the only way is up for him in the company. Really, How old so. is he? I'm not sure. I think he's in his late 20s, early 30s. I can ask that. He's um, 32. Oh, he's older than I thought. Yeah, he, he needs to be coming to WWE in the next couple of years, really. I guess actually he's 33 by now. But either way, yeah. If so, he were late late 20s, he could have got away with being in Japan for a bit longer. But He's been over there for quite a while. Like he's definitely He lives over there, doesn't he? Yeah. He speaks fluent as well. 
he'd actually be a great coup for WWE, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. Maybe in like two or three years. When does his contract expire? Well, New Japan contracts, I think the maximum they run is two years. There you go then. Well, Who knows? It, so he's, he's probably got like 16 months left or something okay. like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a longer contract. Yeah. Right. Come on, let's address the elephant in the room so then. The final thing that happened over this summer. I can't believe we're finishing on this, by the way. Well, what do you want to finish well, on? Anything else. <laughs> Your mum's tits. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we haven't covered TNA at all in these year reviews. It's because TNA is utterly, utterly irrelevant. It is a bit wank, isn't it? Uh, apart, being apart from one thing, what just yeah. happened this year. I, I still... Right, even... Even when we talk about this, I still stand by my statement that TNA is irrelevant, and this is not relevant because of its TNA. Apart from it turned a guy who was a bit of a joke. No, 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 again, it, it wasn't them, right? No, Don't they had give nothing TNA to do the with credit it. for this. But within their company, a guy who many people have written off and thought, you know, he's a bit shit nowadays. Him and his brother, you know, they're just druggies or whatever. And Fat lardy. Yeah, that was that was a name I, even I used occasionally, even at the start of this whole thing. But then he became broken. And in doing so, has become... Probably one of the biggest guys outside of WWE. Considering, like, he can go to any company now and just draw money. He showed up at Ring of Honor. And just a video of him was one of the most over things on the show. Matt Hardy becoming this huge fucking superstar in wrestling in 2016 by dyeing a bit of his hair and mispronouncing words, because that's the basis <laughs> of it. And kind of doing what... Just silly shit involving drones and saying to Joan Barash, let's go to my house and film some shit. Yeah, let, let my brother fire fireworks at me. Yeah, so this was all born out of the thing, like, him and Jeff were feuding. Jeff did some big move and broke him, which sounds weird. Um, and that led to Broken Matt Hardy appearing, and it led to a series of videos that at first were just a bit weird. Uh, it started with the contract signing for their match at Slammiversary, I believe it was. Was this the one where he gave him the sound effect off the side of the ring through a dinner, like a yeah. dining room table? It was the start of... Uh, Brother Nero, I knew you'd come. Yeah. So this is um, it. The table in question. It's a round table with like. A, would it, be, would it still be called a leg? It's kind of like a side table, isn't it? But it's like an old side table. It's made yeah, of proper like oak. Yeah, but it doesn't have not not like a WWE table or or a wrestling table where it'd have legs either side. So there's a middle bit that's weak, like one like, that's at your grands. Yeah. So like the, the the leg, if you like, or the stand is in the middle of the table. So like you can't put somebody through it. But he, just, he landed on it and it kind of collapsed. And so, it looked, so we it just, awful. I talked about this video being weird. So we talked about how he distracted him enough to put him through that table. Yes, please. Uh, so while they're arguing... It, <laughs> okay, I'm going to interject here. This <laughs> one's on. hilarious, right? This is absolutely fine. No, please. Yeah, so Matt and Jeff are arguing in the ring where it all started in Matt Hardy's garage. And Rebby, um, Matt Hardy's wife, walks in with the baby and f goes, Jeff, and throws the baby at him. But it's obviously a fake baby and it, it's... It's definitely supposed to be a fake baby. Yeah. And Jeff kind of goes... Fake baby, fake baby, yeah. fake, ba fake baby on telly, telly, fake baby, <laughs> fake baby on telly. So yeah, he goes, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, Matt Hardy um, smashes something over what his head. What is wrong with you? <laughs> this is like only the second best use of a fake baby on TV. I just point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, clarify for the listeners. Just oh, in case punting the fake baby in, in, into the crowd. <laughs> if, if only they could combine the two somehow. Well, he could come out of the lake of reincarnation. 
Yeah. So that was the first video. <laughs> is that what they call it? Yeah. yeah that, like that, that's why when everybody, anybody goes into it, they come out as a different character that they've played in the past. Oh, is that yeah, why, and that's is why, why that the Willow was in there? Yeah. That box of water that's from the lake. It's the water that's magic. They carry the box to the impact zone. We'll talk about that, Marcus. There's, there, there's something after the thing we're going to talk about, which happened in the latter part of the year that we'll have to cover on that. Can we just give three. a special mention to the gardener? What's he called? Senor Benjamin. Yeah, Senor Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, he, yeah, he was all right. He was all right. See, even Graham liked him. Yeah, and, he's um, my favourite one. My favourite one with a dilapidated boat. That, yeah. re- that really got, <laughs> that really well, got me. We'll that. get to that because uh, after their match at Slammiversary, they had one more match where if Jeff Hardy lost, he would be deleted, whatever that meant. And the match was the final deletion. Now, nothing TNA has done since the time they tried to compete with Raw has even fucking moved the needle slightly. Like, no one's even been near the needle. It's dusty. But this created such a fucking thing around the wrestling world. Everyone wanted to see this match. And it was just something completely different. So different and so unique that WWE had to try and rip it off really badly with the Whites and the New Day a week later. (laughs) Which was hilarious. But uh, So, the final deletion happened on the end of an episode of Impact. And it was another case of Borash, get in your car, bring your drone. Let's have some fun. And it was a match. Wait, so hold on, it's Borash's drone. Yeah, Borash yeah, has Borash got his own pro- production company and he's got some drones. So he with fucking the loves Hardys, a drone. With all their money and all their blooming own symbols in their own garden, can't afford their own <laughs> drone. Well, they probably can, but they need somebody to film it, don't they? Get your own drone. Uh, you it, it, it was Borash who was like, because they couldn't use the drones in the impact zone because of where they film it, they're not allowed to use things like that. And Borash always wants to try it, so this was the perfect opportunity. So the final deletion match, uh, the, the ring is set up just in outside with some tiki torches in the corners to light the ring. It starts with the referee showing up, and Matt Hardy tells the referee this match can only end by pinfall or submission. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You've missed a bit where he tells the uh, Senor Benjamin to prepare the battle gri- oh, yeah. battleground for so mass- was, massacre. Yeah, it wasn't only the match, was it? It was all the way through the episode. There was all these like little vignettes leading up yeah. to it. Where This is where we saw Vanguard 1. Yeah. Because he sent Vanguard 1 to tell Jeff Hardy to prepare himself for the battlefield was being prepared. And it's just so great. And all I can say, just if you didn't watch this at the time, please go back and watch it. Because if you want some just ridiculous stuff, this is exactly the This thing is you probably want. the best one of all the vignettes, of all the video things at the Hardy compound. Yeah, I agree with this, right? Even that, though. That could change. Well, yeah, because. We're recording right now. <laughs> yeah, like there will be another one um, after this has been released, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's. Um, oh, I think what, it's on in America before this is released, but it's on here afterwards. Yeah, yeah so what, what what is it? Uh, total Nonstop Deletion. Yeah, Total Nonstop. So it's going to be the full. Um, two-hour episode of Impact. Yeah, which what, what before we came on air, listen, I said to Graham, we need to review that that uh, total non-stop deletion. Went, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and then I, then I was pretty shocked that he was just so eager to do it. And I was like, you do know it's the full show, and I wish we had his reaction recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how quiet he's been while me and Daryl are gushing over this match. Oh. But uh, so he's got you as one of him now. Yeah. There you go, Daryl. <laughs> You're one of him now. He's turned you into broken brother Nero. That's so, all right. Broken brother Daryl and broken. I think brother I think brother Nero Marco. gets the pussy out of the two of them, so it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be Matt. I'm the fatter one. It's fine. Uh, so uh, in the match, there was plenty to love. Like they they're just having like a basic match, but then they start doing a few oh, weird gimmicks. Like it's first, again. the fireworks. Again. 
So a lot of the things in the match actually played. How much quickly? Uh, how on. much of the re- this are we reviewing again? Because we did review this. Like, we did I, I just want to go through all the big, big bits okay. quickly. Because what they did, like what was really great about it, is that they went past past through all the problems the Hardys have had over the last few years and kind of used them within the match. Did they use any smack? Probably to come up with the ideas. Well, if they didn't use Allegedly. smack in the match, they didn't go through all the problems they've had. <laughs> so they used fireworks, the dilapidated boat, which became a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, how fit? How did it end? I'm trying to think. Oh, back it was now. um. So it was on fire. Yeah. So before yeah. before the um match started, um, it was Maxwell's first birthday. Yeah. And um. I don't know if Matt gave... You know, if you search for dilapidated, by the way, the first thing that comes off on Google is dilapidated. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Matt gave Rebby Sky a lighter or he gave her something while they were blowing the candles out on the cake. Yeah. And um, that's what she then used because Jeff Hardy climbed up on that big symbol in the garden to do a swanton off of it. Hardy boy symbol. Yeah, so then she lit that on fire and he jumped off of it or fell off of it or something and then I already pinned him and deleted yeah. him. Skarsgård the dilapidated boat has its own Facebook page. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's is is uh, Skarsgård dead? Hey? Is Skarsgård still dead? Oh we need to start a Twitter. <laughs> Let me just check Twitter. Senor Benjamin has his own pro wrestling tease page as no, well. No but Test is. There you go. I think Senor Benjamin is like the third top seller on, oh he was for one point the third top seller on pro wrestling tees after the Young Bucks and Matt Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, th- it was this ridiculous match that kind of caught everyone's attention and it's still going on and we will probably talk about it more when we get to part three of the year in reviews in the new year. Yeah, because we've got we've, there's several matches in the final part of the year, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Elite or Decay. <laughs> right, well now we've, now we've done that. Like, uh, I think it's time to end the show. It is. So it's time to the end of part two. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, look forward to the Christmas quiz next week. On Christmas Day, you get to spend Christmas Day with us. Yep, but if we don't see a happy holidays to everybody, all that gear, uh, say say Merry Christmas, Dan. Merry Christmas. Say Happy Hanukkah, Daryl. Happy Hanukkah, Daryl. <laughs> Enjoy your holidays, guys. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>